Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you have chosen to click play on today's podcast. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope today's talk encourages you. Well, morning, everybody. As said, my name's Emily, and I'm on the staff team here. And as we've already said this morning, if you are new or visiting, then you really have come on a fantastic Sunday, because there are these two baptisms. Baptism Sundays are always a real joy here at the Forge, but there is also food afterwards, and if you know me, you'll know that comes really high up, close almost to baptisms. Um, but also we are kick-starting this new series called The Comparison Trap. Now, I'm really excited about this series. It's going to be a three-week series, because I think that that it is, has the potential to be revolutionary in each of our lives. Because if you're anything like me, then the topic that we're taking a look at today has become a default setting in you. It's become a default way for you to be able to look around yourself and to work out who you are and how you fit in this world. Because as we said, we're looking at comparison. You see, somewhere growing up, whether it's been from our parents or from school or from somewhere, we've all kind of learned this idea that in order to work out how we're doing, we take a look at the people around us. So if we want to know, are we getting it right in life? Are we doing things right? Are we fitting in with the norm and the expectation? Then we look and see, is that person doing what I'm doing? Am I doing the same as them? If we're actually really honest, in order to feel worth something in life, most of us increase that to not just how are they doing and how do I compare, but am I better than them? Am I better looking? Am I smarter than? Am I funnier than? Am I richer than? Am I more popular than them? You see, somewhere in our lives, we learn that there's this pecking order to life, that actually this pecking order is determined by popularity by intelligence, so how you score at school, by wealth, by success, by charisma, sometimes even by strength. And actually, for each of us, comparison becomes kind of like a normal day-to-day thing that we do. I mean, you only have to open up some form of social media, whether that's Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, and you scroll through and you see people's lives posted and displayed there. And as you look at them, I don't know about you, but there's this inner voice in me that looks and kind of goes, oh, wow, they're having a great day. Did I have as good a day as them? Am I as good a mum as them? Have I done as much travelling or socialising as them? And as we do that, we kind of start to work out where we fit in this social pecking order. But... Please don't think that this is something that social media has created. In fact, a guy called Leon um, Festinger, um, he's a sociologist, and he, back in the 1950s, he did um, an experiment and kind of basically looked at this idea of social comparison theory. And he said that for each of us, we innately inside of ourselves have this need to self-evaluate, to work out how we're doing, are we doing well, are we not doing well on stuff. And that what we do is we look around ourselves to work out how we're doing. See, comparison becomes this benchmark to work out, are we making, are we doing it right? Are we making the most of our lives? And if we're honest, actually, comparison isn't always a negative thing. Because if I looked out at one of you and I was like, you know what, I see this person and they are much kinder than me. They run faster than me. They know mathematics better than me. 
then if I want to get better in those things, it would be right for me to compare myself. I'd be able to go, well, hang on a second, they do this, and that makes them better in there. They run every morning. Well, maybe I need to run every morning if I want to be better in that area. And actually, when we do that, that's not a negative thing. That can be a positive thing. But somewhere in each of us, even from a really young age, we twist and contort that to being not about learning and improving ourselves, but we twist and contort comparison to being about value. They're better at that than me, and therefore they are more valuable than I am. Now, some of you know me here. Some of you will know that I'm a twin, which means that I've spent my entire life lived in close proximity to somebody who's supposed to be identical to me. Um, which means that I've lived most of my life comparing myself to her, to my older sibling, but wider than that. You see, um, inside of me, I love academics. I like learning. It's something that I really value. And I would be what they used to call a grade A student. You don't have A's anymore. They're numbers. But I used to be a grade A student. And I sought my value and my worth from that. You see, I would love to be acknowledged by my peers in that. I liked the teachers saying that I did well. I felt like there was this sense of getting things right and getting things wrong. And I really attached significance to it. I was the girl who, um, when I went to college, back in the day when things weren't so electronic, um, we would get our essays back in envelopes and our tutor would put each envelope next to each other. And I would sneak into my tutor's office and I would have a look at what my essay result was. And then, and GDPR and everything says this is not okay to do, I would look at everybody else's results. So I wouldn't even wait to have the conversation of, how did you do? Oh, that's interesting. Oh, well done. Thinking, yeah, I did better. Instead, I would look through and work it out. Did I come at the top? Did I come third or fourth? Was there a bottom? And I associated my value according to, did I get it right? Did I get the essay right? Am I top of my class? Now, for you, that not might, might not be a big thing. But I bet for each of us, we are constantly looking to our left and to our right to work out, actually, how am I doing? Am I acceptable? Am I measuring up? And actually, in reality, most of us would look at the adjectives that we'd want to have described of ourselves, and we would add an er to that. I want to be better at that. I want to be nicer. I want to be kinder. I want to be more generous. I want to be more loving. I want to be better looking. I want to be more successful, richer, more popular. That's why the name of today's talk is The Land of Ur, because we live in that place where we want to be richer, prettier, skinnier, smarter, happier, because then, then I would feel okay about myself. And in reality, we don't just limit it to ourselves either. We actually extend it to other people. As soon as we start to date, actually, there's that sense of we want our partner to be smarter or to be fitter or richer. And actually, even if it's not than other people, certainly want them to be those things more than perhaps other people we've dated in the past. And then when we get married, we don't stop it there. We actually look at our spouses and our partners, and we want them to be fitter and smarter and richer and actually, we keep putting that on other people. We look around and we go, you know what? Their wife or their husband, they don't do that. Why do you do that? You should stop. And actually, it's not really about them. It's about us. It's about our expectation on ourselves as to who we think we ought to be and what we think life should be like. And then if you're fortunate, you have kids and you do exactly the same with the kids. 
You say, oh, you know what? Actually, how are they comparing? I mean, I do this all the time. Yesterday, I took my eldest Finn swimming. He's five, and I kept thinking, hmm, he should really be learning to swim without armbands by now. And actually, that's just an expectation that I have of what he should be doing, and I'm comparing him to other children. And actually, it's not really a comparison I'm making of him, but it's a comparison I'm making on my parenting skills alongside somebody else's. And we do it under the gauge of wanting them to reach their full potential. But comparison is a really fragile game to play because you are not always the best. There is always going to be somebody else that you meet who will be better than you. And comparison normally makes you completely dissatisfied with something that up until a point you were really satisfied with. A few months ago, about six months ago, my husband, um, he works for The Mix, and they had a charity ball, um, and he invited me to come along. I was like, yay, that's really exciting. Now, looking at me on stage, you might think, actually, I'm not the trendiest or the most fashionable on stage or in church or in the staff team, but actually, I like to look good. I like to fit in, those types of things. So I was excited about the ball. I haven't been to one for a long time. Um, And so I went online, ordered a dress. It arrived. I did that thing that girls do. Guys, I don't think you do this. And then I put it on. I paraded in front of my boys. And Dave was like, oh, I love my dress. Um, Then the night of the evening came. Dave, obviously, because he was working, had to go early. So I got dressed and I arrived by myself. And I walked into the room and my heart sank. Because I looked around this room of people, and there were all of these women, and they looked beautiful and stunning, and they were all wearing a dress of a kind. So they were all wearing like long, black, smart, sexy-looking dresses. And I looked at what I was wearing, and it wasn't that. And suddenly, I felt like that geeky, awkward teenager who walks in somewhere and has just missed it so badly. And if any of you know me, then you know I kind of hold my own socially. I like social circumstances. I'm bubbly and warm and I'm chatty. But I felt completely unable to be that person. I felt out of my comfort zone. I loved dancing and I absolutely refused to get on the dance floor because I just didn't feel like I fitted. Now, for those of you here, probably that means nothing. Clothes don't mean anything to you. The idea of walking into a room and fitting or not fitting, maybe you're above that and you don't worry about those things. But I can guarantee there is something that you pride yourself on being, something that actually makes you feel good about yourself when you stand alongside others. Maybe it's sportsmanship. Maybe it's money or success or popularity or charisma. But there will always be someone who is better, someone who is bigger, someone who is richer, someone who's more successful, more popular, prettier than you and than I. You see, when we play this comparison game, we have to understand that there is never a finish line. There is never a sense of satisfaction because there's always somebody further on than us. It's always going to be a lose-lose scenario. And ultimately, living in this land of Ur, it corrodes who you are because it makes you feel dissatisfied with what you have and who you were created to be. But more than that, your value and your worth and your identity is always rooted in the people around you and not in who you are. It also massively corrodes our relationships with other people because it breeds jealousy and envy and superiority and insecurity. 
At the heart of our friendships and our relationships, we have those things. Am I a better workmate, employee, mother, wife, speaker? My husband was speaking last week, and I'm like, Ooh, how did I compare with him? Friend to that person. Is my husband, my home, my kids, my job, my ability to juggle lots of things, is it better than yours? But how am I to relate to you honestly and with integrity if I feel superior to you or if I feel constantly inferior to you? You see, comparison leads to power imbalance in relationships. It leads to self-doubt and criticism and insecurity. And if we put those things into our lives, if they're present in our relationships, then actually it makes us miserable. A recent article in um, Psychology Today wrote this. Measuring the self against others is a modus operandi of the human mind. And in some ways, as I said, it can be helpful. The inspiration you feel about someone else's achievements can rev up the motivation to improve your own life. The recognition that your abilities are a notch above someone else's can deliver a boost to your self-esteem. But comparisons can be harmful when they leave you feeling chronically inferior or depressed. And for what? For some of you here, or some of us, we're carrying debt because we stared at somebody's life for too long. Some of us, we're dieting ourselves to death because we have this image in our head as to what it looks like to have the perfect body. Some of us are driving our kids nuts, maybe even literally, and our spouses nuts by constantly comparing them and driving them to be better, to do better. And every time we open our browsers or watch TV and look at things and scroll through Instagram, we're reminded of who we'll never be, what we'll never look like, what we'll never drive, what we'll never have, date, marry, wear, or accomplish. And we end up here in this place where we start to think, I'm not enough, you're not enough, and we live with misery. A very wise man who appeared to have everything that this world could offer. He had wealth, he had power, he had a lot of beautiful women, but he also had wisdom. He said this, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. You see, comparison, when it's about always being better, leads directly to envy, and envy eats away at us because it corrodes our sense of who we are and our sense of contentment and satisfaction. But a person that has learned to be at peace with their lot, to be at peace with what they have and who they are, that's where real life peace and joy can be found. So how do we get that? How do we learn to stop looking to the left and the right and comparing ourselves? Well, there um, is a guy called Paul in the Bible. He um, lived a long time ago. He helped start the early church. And he wrote this. And he wrote this when Paul's a guy who um, used to be a Pharisee, so a religious leader. He had a lot of stuff in his life. He was really prestigious. He became a Christian, and he found himself in prison. So he's writing this from prison. And he says this, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. You see, we can get peace when we change what we're going to look at. See, contentment has nothing to do with comparison with other people and has everything to do with perspective. What is your understanding and your perspective of who you are, 
what life is all about and what your purpose is. Because if it's just to do better, if it's just to hold your own in the melee of people, then Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, who wrote that about envy, he's right when he says everything is meaningless and it's just a chasing after the wind. There's an author who wrote, everything at the end of the day goes back in the box. And that's depressing, but that is what this life will be about if that's what we focus on. But if we focus our attention and our understanding on our perspective, on not who we are and what life is about um, in terms of our achievements and things, but we fix our eyes on something greater, something bigger than us, when we fix our eyes on who God is and a relationship with him, then we can know peace. Because we gain perspective and the right perspective Paul, before he wrote this thing about finding contentment and whatever's going on in life, he wrote this. He wrote, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice basically means to feel or show great joy or delight. You see, for Paul, whatever happened in life, whatever he had or didn't have, his focus was on God. His perspective was on how he could show joy and delight in God. And not just when he felt like things were going well, but he said, always, always rejoice in the Lord. Which means that his sense of contentment, his sense of well-being and happiness wasn't rooted in who he was, but was rooted in who God is. You see, Paul had learned that if we are playing the comparison game, then God trumps everybody and everything. He is good and kind and gentle and all-powerful and loving and gracious and generous. He trumps everything and he doesn't withhold anything either from us. So when we have a lot or when we have a little, God is still consistently good and better. We just sung that, didn't we? He's good. He's good. So when we are comparing our life with others... Through whose lens are you comparing it? Are you looking at it through the lens of the people around you and what you think they think of you? Or are you looking at it through God's lens? Because God knows you. He knows you really intimately. Whether you know him or not, he knows you. And he loves you and he has a plan for you. There's a guy um, called David, and Jess referred to him in her video. Um, and he's a guy who was named after, he was a man after God's own heart. That's the name he was given. And um, he's written lots of different songs that appear in the Bible. And one of the songs he's written says this, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down, and you are familiar with all of my ways. You see, God knows you, every single part of you. Jesus said he knows the number of hairs that are on your head. So when you're unsure where you fit, when you're unsure who you are, when you're wanting to be like everyone else, remember, God knows you. How does he know you? Because actually, the Bible tells us that he made us. David writes this, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. You see, when we were in our mother's womb, he's there. He's designing us. He's planning us. He's putting us together. And if you're sitting there thinking, hmm, I'm not really sure he did that great a job with me, really. Actually, David goes on to write this. He says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. You see, God doesn't make mistakes, and he made you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You don't need to compare, 
need to compare yourself to other people to make yourself feel better, more worthy, more valuable. You don't need to think that somebody else is less than you in order to feel better about yourself. Because God made you, and he made you fearfully and wonderfully. He made you unique. You don't need to stand alongside somebody else because you are unique. And he made you for a purpose. Because David writes this, Your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days ordained for me, written in your book, before one of them came to be. You see, you don't need to strive to be richer, to be better, to be more than others, because there is a unique plan that he has for you. And you have worth and significance outside of who is around you, outside of how you compare with those people, because of who you are. You're made by God. You're loved by God. He knows you and he has a purpose for you in your life. And when we know this, when we grasp this, this becomes the bedrock that we can stand on. It becomes the lens through which we see things. And we can be content because we ultimately know that this is what life is all about. It is about God and our relationship with him and his plan for us. So when we're comparing, do I have the right house? Does my house look clean enough? With two kids, never. It never looks clean enough. Then actually it doesn't matter because actually I know God has a plan for me that's bigger than those details. So how do we get this perspective? Well, Paul goes on to write this in this passage of Philippians 4 that we've been looking at. He says this, Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So if you want peace in your life, if you don't want that envy that rots your bones, if you want that heart of peace, this is how you do it. We need to change what we think about. We need to change our point of reference. We need to stop looking at the things that make us feel dissatisfied, that breed these negative feelings of insecurity, of inferiority, of inadequacy in our lives. But instead to focus on truth, to focus on what is right as we do that, we'll gauge, we'll start to understand what is pure and noble and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy, not only to be looking at, but also within our own lives. And we don't do it through the context of what other people say. We do it through the context of our maker, what he says about us as a humankind, but also about me as an individual and his expectations on me. And then when we do that, There's incredible peace because no longer are we striving in our own strength, but we do all things through his strength. So how do we practically do that? Well, I think we have to start to choose who we surround ourselves by. For some of you, that means actually taking the hard decision to kind of do a cull on Instagram and Facebook and social media to unfollow some people. Because actually you look at those pictures and you feel bad about yourself. Maybe for some of you it's not to take people off, but it's to limit your exposure to social media if you're constantly finding yourself comparing yourself to the things and the images that you see there. For each of us, let's take stock. Let's look at who or what in our life helps us to see God, to see all that he's given to us, to see him for who he is, but also to see ourselves as he sees us to find out who those people are and those places are and to invest time in those, to spend time in those places. 
But also, let's read. Let's read the Bible. The Bible is a great way to know who God is. The Bible app, which you can download on your phones, is a great way to reading the Bible. And actually, there is a Bible reading plan called the Comparison Trap that you can do as we're doing this series. And it helps you to look at what is noble and true and right and admirable. But take time to learn who God is. Because remember, if we're playing the comparison trap, he always comes out on top. And what he can grow in you and do in you will always come out on top too. And then the easiest of all of them. Turn up to the next two weeks. We have two more weeks of this series. And next week we're going to be taking a look at and exploring what is the mirror through which we see ourselves. And then the third week we're going to take a look at what is the plan and the purpose that God has for our lives. Because actually God wants a life that is more than just comparison for each of us. See, when we live in the land of Ur, when we want to be richer and better and prettier, when we want to be the best, we fail to actually live up to our full potential because we're constantly assessing ourselves alongside other people. Our eyes are rooted on the people around us and they're not fixed on who God is and what he says about us. Instead of focusing on everything that God has given to us and seeing it as a blessing, Instead, we choose to focus on what he's given to somebody else. Instead of looking at the people that he's given us to care for and to love, we spend our life chasing after things that he's given to other people that he might never intend on giving to us. We are enough because he says we're enough and he makes us enough. We need to stop playing the comparison game. If we want to be content, if we want to be happy, if we want joy then it comes from knowing him, finding wholeness in him, and being satisfied with him, irrespective of who or what is going on around us or who or what we have in our lives. Now, I know that I struggle with this. Um, I struggle with it in terms of how I appear and what I think of myself, in terms of the relationships that I have with my husband and my kids. And so I want us Um, I want to pray for you and I want to pray for me um, this morning. So if you'd like to stand, I'm going to pray for us. Lord, it is so easy to pick up the messages from the TV, through things that we read, through our social media stuff, to see these messages of what it means to be successful, what it means to get it right. Lord, it's so easy for us to strive to want to be better than, to to get it right more than somebody else in order to feel more worthy, more valuable, like we're a more special person. But Lord, you don't say that about me. You don't say that about any of us in this room. You don't want us to compare ourselves because you want us to love each other, to see each other, to support one another, to care for one another. And we can't do that when we're competing with one another. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to keep this conversation going. So talk to us on our social media channels at Forge Church or look us up online at www.forgechurch.com. We'll see you next week.